Comics in Motion is thrilled to be partnering with Humble to become Humble Partners. If you follow the link in the show notes, you'll be taken to Humble Bundle where you can get some access to some amazing stuff. Digital comics, digital books, video games, coding manuals. The amount of stuff that you can get there is obscene. Plus, you get it at a ridiculous discount. So here's what you need to do. Click that link, go to Humble Bundle. Not only are you going to get great stuff at a great deal, but you're also going to support a charity and you're going to help Comics in Motion keep the lights on. So click the link, go to Humble Bundle, get yourself some amazing stuff. Thanks. Welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon Mandalorian Special. I'm one of your hosts, Dave Horrocks, and joining me is the man out of time and space himself. It's the 20th, 20th century geek, Scott Weatherly. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? You all right? I'm not too bad, mate. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good. I can't wait to get into this episode. I'm really excited to talk about this one. It's going to be awesome. So we're going to be talking about... Chapter 13, The Jedi. Now, Scott, what, what are your first kind of high-level impressions of this episode? Well, uh, knowing that this episode was written and directed by Dave Filoni, I, was, I think everyone knew who was going to be at least appearing in this episode. I think it was, you know, the speculation was rife. Um, I, I went in thinking, okay, it's going to be last third, like she's, you know, Ahsoka is going to appear in that last finale. There's going to be probably something in the beginning as a, as a tease and then she'll appear at the finale. And then f- the first, like, what, minute? Two minutes in? Yeah. Um, that opening scene uh, with the, the fight in the in the foot, like the misty woods, I was just like, I'm in, I'm loving this, this is Ace, and then, like, like li- yeah, literally, like, the whole episode was fantastic. Um, so, yeah, really... I think we've said this pretty much every episode I've been on, and I know you guys have done with Microsoft. It's like, oh, yeah, be- almost best episode of so far. Like, um, but this one was like, yeah, just punch you in the face and got on with it. So I was really, really impressed with this one. You know what I actually thought? I thought it's one of the worst kept secrets, isn't it, that Rosario <laughs> Dawson was going to appear as a Sokatano. Yeah. And like you say, the clues were all there. We knew it was not only was Dave Filoni writing and directing this specific episode, whereas the writing duties normally go to John Favreau, but also the chapter itself is called The Jedi. Mm. So I think everyone was pretty much expecting it. I thought it was almost going to be like a Thanos end credit. (laughs) I thought they were going to get right to the end. And then you'll just see it. You know, like Boba Fett in the yes. in the first episode of season two. I thought it was going to be something like that, and it'd be a massive disappointment. But like it's like yourself, I, I was just blown away by that first couple of minutes, and she absolutely kicked ass, didn't she? Oh, it's amazing that you know. And it, again, it's one of those where. Um, you know, if, if you're getting Rosario Dawson in, like you know, she's she's an, a known name, she's a known actress, she's really good. You know, she's been associated with like geek stuff before, with like the the Netflix MCU stuff. Um, 
And so, like, yeah, you, you think, oh, she's going to be front and centre. But although you get Ahsoka early on, like, they're not like, you know, here she is. Like, it's the, it was the way it was done with um, just the light of the lightsabers dashing through the woods or appearing and stuff like that. It was all done. It was just ace. Like the, the battle was really well done. Like it was the choreography and the and the just the the way it was shot uh, was just sort of like. It, I mean, this film's this, sorry, this film this this TV series has been uh, spectacularly shot throughout. Cinematography is all mm-hmm. really good, and they have a knack of just choosing the right tone and the right shot for for pretty much everything uh, this season. And so that opening scene, yeah, like the mist and just the sort of the use of the the, the sabers sort of flashing around and just deflecting uh, laser bolts and stuff. It, yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely fantastic. You know, it almost reminded me, or, or there's no almost about it, it kind yeah. of reminded me of the end of Rogue One. Yes. Yeah. Great. You know, when you get Vader absolutely taking names and in probably his most badass scene, I, I think out of all the movies, um, you know, original prequels or, mm. or uh, sequels. So, yeah, it, it was just absolutely badass. But for a second, I'm thinking, hang about, is she still, you know, she's still on the good side? <laughs> or has she gone to the dark side? Because the way she was absolutely destroying everything in her path, and they're on this planet, Corvus, aren't they? And, you know, she's trying to confront this Imperial magistrate. and Basically, she gives them a day. And we've said, haven't we, through most of this season, there's been nods to, you know, old sci-fi. You had, like, Tremors, you got a bit yeah. of Aliens. And we were sort of, I'm sure we were saying on Discord that, oh, maybe uh, maybe we'll see a robot, you know, from the future <laughs> or something. Well, not only that, we get Michael Bean as Lieutenant Kang. Oh, yeah, no, I was... When when he first turned up, is that that's what this episode was? It was just a oh oh, you know that meme, that Leonardo DiCaprio meme of of him from um, uh, from was it Django? Was it no? Yeah, one of those. But the sort of um, either one of him leaning forward and pointing. It was just like that. I'm in my chair going oh oh oh, it's Michael Bean. It's Michael Bean. <laughs> throughout this, there's just nods throughout, um, and they were they weren't even like teasing. It was just out front and center, uh, and he was yeah. great. Like I think I actually said to you on on, uh, on Discord, I was like, "Why doesn't Michael Bean get? I mean, get more work? Like he's really good. Like he's he's aged in that sort of like grumpy, um, craggy sort of like Clint Eastwood way." Um, and I was like, "Yeah, he, he should get more work. Like he's just, he's really good in this." Yeah, no, I agree, and I don't know the answer. If you do know the answer, answers on the postcard or email us in and let us know why doesn't Michael Bean get more work? And uh, my theory was that he might just be a massive arsehole and people don't like working with him, but I might be doing him in a a disservice. He might be a a wonderful man. um, Maybe that's what he is. Maybe he's too soft on set and he's always getting walked over, losing roles because he's always letting other people Yeah. That's what it is. Um, one of the things I would say, you say about the sort of the nods and stuff. I think one of the things as well is like they choose a genre sort of like for you know like for many of these stories, uh, and you do get that feel, don't you? Like you know, there's a western, and it th- this felt more like it was more of a nod to like um, Edo period Japan. So this was more like mm. a, like a samurai or a, like a ronin kind of story. Like you know, uh, Ahsoka is sort of like you know. 
that sort of like Rashomon or, or you know, Jimbo sort of character, sort of like, you know, taking on a village or taking on a sort of a, a local warlord um, alone. Um, and then you get like uh, the Mandalorian walking in in his Western style. Yeah. And you sort of get the mashup of the two. And it's just, it's just, again, like the balance of tone uh, again is, is so well done. Um I don't know. What do you think about sort of? The, uh, yeah, did you think there was a shift in tone for that sort of thing? I actually felt there was a, a kind of a Game of Thrones feel to this one, mm. and maybe I'm confusing that with the the old. I, mean, I can't say I'm a. Uh, I know much about Japanese cinema, <laughs> to be quite honest, but I, you, you do get that kind of samurai feel. But just because you have this this kind of, um, you know, you've got the commoners, haven't you, being tortured mm. in those little device things and you know everyone's scared of the uh of the magistrate and i don't know i just had a, a kind of game thrones it could have almost been like winterfell yes you know, when, the, yeah. uh, when the boltons take over winterfell it, I, I got that kind of feel but all the way through this series it, it is definitely a western feel and I, I can't remember which episode it was but chris was saying you know the mandalorian doesn't he sound a bit like clint eastwood yeah, I think old oh, Pedro Pascal. I, I think he might be channeling Clint Eastwood. I, I can't unhear it now. No, everything that he says is done in that kind of Clint Eastwood, good, bad, and the ugly way. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's a mistake. I think him and John Favreau had a conversation at some point, and they were like, "Okay, when you're playing um, the Mandalorian, what's his name? Jin, isn't it? Din, Jin, um, uh, Din Django. Is it uh, not Django? Din." Dinja something. Yeah, Dinja Jin, I think. Anyway, when, so when, when you're playing that character, like I say, channel um, Western, spaghetti Western Clint Eastwood, you know, think Unforgiven or um, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, something like that. Because it is, it's there. It's it's totally there. Um, and it works. One of the things I was impressed with with this episode, and, and I'm going to put it right out there, I think this was the best episode so far of the season. I was blown <laughs> away by episode one. Yeah, and I don't. I know a lot of people weren't so hot on on the second episode. Not mm. too much happened in there. I think Kevin Smith said it was genocide when uh, uh, Baby Yoda was uh, yes, eating, eating the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> but for this one, it was chock full of action, but it wasn't. It wasn't a hundred miles an hour it wasn't it wasn't all the way through the episode you had your quiet moments as well but also chock full of information mm-hmm. and expanding our knowledge of you know the people in the story and you know placing it in the wider Scott, uh, star wars context i I, lo- I both like that and don't like it it's hard it's, it's a hard one because I like that fact, okay, because you know you got a soaker in here. Um, we'll talk about the big reveal or the big sort of nod at the end, um, which I'm sure you were excited about because you obviously just watched Rebels. Um, <laughs> uh, and then other things like you get Baby Yoda's name, you know, um, and then you get an, a mention of the planet um, that sort of where the Jedi Order sort of may have started. One of the four planets of what it's called now the, the, that she mentioned at the end. I think I think Mike handles it in his recording, so, yeah, so I won't Google that. Mike, Mike <laughs> can explain all. But they said to have that and then to say, like, yeah, you know, take 
take Grogu there and he will be one with the Force and if he reaches out, a Jedi will come and find him sort of thing. And you're like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And you think, that's exciting. It opens up opportunities. And then you go on the internet and everyone's like, is it going to be a de-aged Luke Skywalker? Is it, you know, could it be played by Sebastian Stan? Could it be this? Could it be that? And I'm like, be sensible. Like, they've clearly stated, like, this is nothing to do with the saga. Like, get, take all of that, and I'm glad. Take all of that away. You know, it might not even be anybody. It could be a completely new character. That, you know, um, and this comes into my theory that's going to come later on. Is it could be Buddy, um, like someone actually, it could be Sam Jackson as Mace Windu, and you're like, yeah, possibly. Like, you know, I thought he died, but, um, you know, everyone just starts to speculate, and I'm like, look, just give it a chance. Don't, you know, I know speculation is what we do, and I am going to speculate about something else, but like, they kept, they keep speculating about it being, someone even speculated it could be Leia, and I was just like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Well, it could be, but I, I it's think not going to be. Is it? Let's be honest. It's not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, it's not, and it's not going to be Han. It's not. Sorry, it's not going to be Luke. It's not going to be. You know, knowing what they've done with this, there's only probably a, a very few options of who it could be. Um, if if that's the way it goes. Um, well, I guess the the first you know big wow. I, I mean, apart from Ahsoka you know, kicking out on screen. And, and then, of course, you know, Din, I'm just going to call him the Mandalorian. Mm. Uh, you know, he makes this deal and, uh, you know, he gets uh, bribed, if you like, or, you know, they dangle the carrot of, of you know, this Beskar steel uh, javelin, <laughs> which, you know, you, you can have this if you go and kill the Jedi. But he, he knows he needs to find the Soko anyway because he, he found out that in uh, mm. the last episode or the episode yeah. before with Bo-Katan. And um, so when he confronts her, you know this, Scott, because you must have seen this kind of superhero misunderstanding a million times in the comics. Yeah. You, you know there's going to be a bit of a showdown and, and then, then it's going to be like, oh, no, wait, it's, it's okay. We, we can be friends and team up from here. But it's when she goes for him with the lightsaber and you see the best car steal, stop mm-hmm. the lightsaber. I was like, oh, fucking hell, that's why they're going on about it. You know, yeah, it's, honestly, it's, I, I didn't realise that before. But again, I love that fight. Um because it shows them, it's one of those ones that you know. If you go to, um, the you know the comic book analogy, or even like a wrestling analogy, it's one of those fights where you get to see the best of each, but neither wins. So that no one looks, no one comes off worse, but they both look awesome in doing it. You know, um, and so it evenly balances them out to show how good they both are, but they're pretty much evenly matched. Um, so yeah. you know, Ahsoka, yeah, she's a Jedi, but she can't get. You know, she she struggles to best um, Mando. Yet, you know, and he's got all his gadgets and his sort of, you know, his weapons, his flamethrower and all this other stuff. Yet, he can't seem to nail her down and stuff. So it's mm. yeah, it was a perfectly balanced fight. And again, they know exactly what they're doing with this, and they they each, everything that's done in this, you can tell is sort of um, orchestrated to sort of present things in the best possible way. Like there's a love to it, there's a passion to it, you know, but there's a it's all then sort of stopped and considered and gone, okay, how can we make it best thing to do? Yeah. And, and, and they do it. Um, so, yeah, no, that just them <laughs> two fighting off. It was a bit too quick for my liking. I was like, oh, and a bit more. Give me another five minutes of them kicking ass. That'd be awesome. Um, 
Yeah, and I, I thought I, I was trying to figure out, and I guess I could have rewound it, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> but I was trying to figure out how did Baby Yoda get on the rock? You know, because that was what stopped them in their tracks, wasn't it? So mm. spotted him, but he was pretty much in his back pocket before that. So I'm not quite sure how. Well, he, you know he's lucky. He, crawl, he, crawl, yeah, he crawls around all over the place. <laughs> yeah, true. He's probably looking for something to eat. Yeah, he's eating. Um, but so Ahsoka's basically uh, speaking um, te- telepathically with him, mm. and this is where we find out the name. Now, I mentioned it a couple of times before. So Grogu is is the child, or or Baby Yoda's name. What do you reckon of that name choice? It's fine. It's no. It's no better or worse than any of the other sort of like you know random bizarre um, Star Wars names. Um, <laughs> it's fine, Grogu. Yeah, it's it works. It's it, it's it was good to give him a name rather than just referring to him as the child or yeah. um, Baby Yoda. When everyone keeps saying like, it, it, I don't know. I know Mike has put sort of mentioned this before. The sort of frustration of someone goes, "It's Baby Yoda." And you want to go, "It's not Baby Yoda because Yoda's dead at this point." And you know, it's just but we don't know the name of the species, so we have to call it that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and as, as he said, I think in his last, as you guys said last week, like you don't want to be that person. But yeah. to have a, so to have, have um, have a name makes it a lot easier. I think so. Uh, yeah, I, uh, um, it's fine. What about yourself? I'm not sold on it. I'm sure I'll warm up to it. He's going to be Baby Yoda for a little bit longer for me, I think. But uh, I don't know. It's not cute enough. I know he's basically 50 years old, but you know, <laughs> it, so Grogu would probably suit a, a, a 50-year-old bloke. How sounds like a baddie to me. Yeah, you'll know it's worked when it starts appearing on merchandise. You, you know what? I was thinking, you've done this just before Christmas, and I yeah. know people are – they're not daft at Disney, are they? They know how to yeah. make a few quid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, but I just think, well, surely if you need to manufacture all this shit with Grogu on, that's been in the pipeline for ages now. In order for them to manufacture it all, to ship it all out for Christmas, yeah, that seems a bit odd to me. No, I think you know the thing is as well. They're, they're ex- I think it'll be the new year before it starts appearing as Grogu on, um, on on merchandise and stuff. Although, if you listen, do you listen to uh, Fat Man Beyond? Um, no, you know what? I, I always think to myself, I, I should go back and start listening to that again. But I mean, it's quite a commitment, isn't it? I mean, if you, mm. if you listen to that and Joe Rogan, that's pretty much your week gone, isn't it? It is true, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was, I, so I listened to Fat Man Beyond with, with Kevin Smith and, and Mark Bernard, and, and, and um, Kevin Smith let slip that because you know, he gets like, you know, they get they often give him stuff for him to promote and all this other stuff and he said he got sent something and with in this this catalog came with it and in it was a projection of all this future merchandise and he said he saw something with a name on for the child and he wouldn't say what it was he says it's not it's not been announced i'm you know i won't say it but he says i think i've seen what the name is so that suggests to me that there's going to be some merch out there soon that's going to have uh have the name on nice yeah. Well, uh, yeah, there you go. There goes my theory. So, yes, it has been out. Mm-hmm. They've probably had NDAs in place and stuff, mm-hmm. which is how it's not leaked out. But but that's quite impressive, isn't it? That, mm. that they 
hasn't been a leak at all. So I think that if you look at like because people are so passionate about this and the people that work on this are all so committed. And yes, there will be NDAs and, and all that kind of legal action because it's Disney and Disney will like sue the crap out of anybody. <laughs> um, uh, but I think there's a thing of like people want to protect this and, and like you say, do it right. So they almost they make sure that it's protected and they can go away. So yeah, no, I think it's cool. It's fine. It's a name. A name's a name. You know. Um, I was yeah. more interested though in in Ahsoka's assessment uh, of the child. Well, sorry. Just before we get on to that, the absolute mind blowing thing for me was from the first episode when we first see Baby Yoda. Or whenever it was, it might have been episode two of season one, you find out that he's 50 years old. Mm. It was early in the season, I can't quite remember which episode it was. And you're thinking, well, hang about, he's around for the prequels. Mm. How does that work? And we actually get to find out here, so he was raised uh, and trained in the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Yeah. And basically, so he was there, well, he was probably there when Order 66 was given, and you know, old Anakin slaughtered all the, the younglings, didn't he? Don't know yeah. why I laugh at that bit. Um, you know, so but essentially he's been smuggled off. He's been, uh, you know, taken out, evacuated from the Jedi Temple. And basically he's been suppressing his powers, mm. you know, over the years to, to basically stay off, off everyone's radar. So that for me was, you know, that just nicely clicked everything into place. You can now place him. He, he was there in the prequels off camera yeah. um you know so so i thought that was pretty mind-blowing to be honest no it's good it did, again it, it fits into that wider world of thing when she says like oh he was in the temple on coruscant and all this other stuff um and it does it, it sort of it makes you it makes you wonder though because like, like you say he's 50 years old yet he still acts like a toddler um you know he's still sort of but he's he's, he's got all these skills like is this why whatever uh, Grogu and, and Yoda species are uh, whatever they are. Is this why they they become masters? Because actually, for a human, uh, you know, or, or other species, they're like, oh yeah, you're going to be trained from five to eighteen, and then you become a master. Like if you whatever the Yoda and Grogu are, yeah, you're trained from five to one hundred and seventy. Yeah. What's the training capacity like? Is is Grogu almost a master? What what like you know what um, Jedi capability is he compared to like ben kenobi or someone like someone like that uh, you'd have to see what his m count is <laughs> <laughs> good point good point but um no I, I think that's a good point on the you know what how old was yoda in empire strikes back was wasn't it 900 years yeah, he, dies, he dies at the age of 900 yeah yeah, so you know you've got quite a long time there to be, you know, learning stuff. And if your your M count is quite high in the first place, then uh, yeah, you will rise to the top, won't you? Mm-hmm. But but yeah, so, so sorry, I, I cut you off there about the Ahsoka's assessment. So what did you make of that? The fact that you know he's um, he's grown too attached to Mando, and I, I must admit, Scott, I was getting a bit nervous at this point because I'm. While I'm watching it on screen and I'm thinking, hang about, do I actually have how much appetite have I got for a Mandalorian season without Baby Yoda? What is it? Uh, yeah, this was the thing. So I, I was sort of thinking the other way as well. 
Um, th- this is where this series has become Lone Wolf and Cub. Well, that's what it is, isn't it? It's sort of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fitting back into that Edo era Japan thing. Um, and so th- this season has done something that um, I, I th- when you look back in retrospect to the past episodes, and this is where my theory came in, I was like, they're trying to show Baby Yoda or Grogu, sorry, in a certain light. So he's been doing things like being not not naughty, but you know he's been a little bit like disobedient. He's been a bit stroppy, like you know you could say, oh, he's just grown up. But um, he was eating the eggs, and he had to be told repeatedly, like you know. And then in the second episode, he won, or in the same episode actually, he wanders off to find the alien spider things, and he tries to eat one of them. Um, and then in the last episode, he was taken to that school, and he steals that kid's macaroons, which I'm sure is what yeah. they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, With his Joda, and he was just like, you know, I got your macaroons, bitch. Come on. Like, <laughs> yeah. He was all... He was all <laughs> joking. Yeah. <laughs> and so, at first, everyone was like, oh, it's really cute. He's been funding them. Everyone had a problem with the eggs. and I'll, But as soon as he did that thing with the macaroons, and it's like, they're showing us, actually, that he's not... Not that he's not dishonourable or like that, but, like, he's not pure... You know, mm-hmm. he's being naughty. It sounds daft, but like, it's almost like, and the influence of of Mando is rubbing off on him, to in a, in a way. And I was like, mm-hmm. and all I could think of is like, and they said it explicitly in this. And I said, I remember I said it in Discord. I said, oh, I've got a theory, and I think you know it might come up, and it bloody did straight away. And she was like, yeah, he's untrainable. He's too attached to you. Basically, saying he's picking up your bad habits because he, you know, he mm-hmm. he carries a fear of. Being taken from you, and fear leads to anger, and anger, da, 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 so on and so forth. And I was like, ex- this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. That this series, it, it can't keep going, you know, because the because <laughs> the, st- the series is the mission. Yeah, maybe Yoda is the mission. So the video have to change the mission. Um, but but I was like, okay, my theory is like you said, they're, they're going to have to do something with Baby Yoda. And either there's going to be something where he's going to have to go off and be trained, and he, he might make guest appearances every now and then, or they are going to go the other way, and they are going to make this a continued lone wolf and cub, but they're going to completely drop the Jedi thing completely. Hmm. See, I, I saw it a slightly different way because I. Uh... So Ahsoka first showed up, I think, in the Clone Wars movie, and I, I don't know if you've ever watched that, but it's pretty the terrible. One Sti- the one with Stinky. Stinky, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so it, it's very much aimed at kids, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And Ahsoka appears. She's she's uh, Anakin Skywalker's Padawan, mm. and she's very much that kid's point-of-view character, isn't she? And so... After I watched that movie, I had no desire whatsoever to watch the series. And it's only years later I find out, oh, actually, you know what? People are saying it kicks ass. You know, Mike in particular gives some recommendations later. But I do know that because she was Anakin's Padawan, when she's talking about, you know, Grogu's attachment to Mando, and she's saying, you know, I've seen what, this kind of thing, this kind of attachment can do to a fully trained Jedi and the best mm. of us. She's referring to Anakin, yeah, yeah, and again, yeah. it just sort of it was tugging on my heartstrings. It was like, oh god, it's, you know, she's seen it all before, and it's a bit of a Star Wars trope, isn't it? You know, they're too old, too old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just... It's interesting what you say, though, because what was it? Mando says he said when Ahsoka asks him, you know, maybe maybe, uh, maybe he'll listen to you. Mm. And he's like, well, that'd be a first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like Seagal then. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I guess he's just mischievous, isn't he, Grogu? Yeah. I think that's he, what you know, he's coming from. It's, yeah, but it's almost like a growing mischief. He's not being parented. Um, and may, and maybe I'm just over reading this, but like, I mean, it was, what I thought was sweet was when he goes back, you know, um, at the end of the whole, you get the climax, which again, we'll get to when she's awesome. But when he goes back to the ship, um, and you know, Grogu's lying there in his, in his little hammock, um, and, you know, he's going to say goodbye at first, or at least that's what you think is going to happen. Like you can see like the Mandalorian's like reluctant. You know, like the way uh, Pedro Pascal's playing it, like you know, he's he's mm-hmm. slow to put things away. He's obviously considering this thing, and I thought that's kind of sweet that like he's actually. It's not only that you know Grogu doesn't just have an attachment to him; like he's grown attached to you know to this uh, the child as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I was like, okay, so and that's what I'm saying. Like th- this story has got to have. If you've got, if you've got, you know, she said about his powers fading. So I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not sure that that's established. I'd have to ask Mike about that one. If it, that's an established thing that your Jedi powers can fade. Um, well, I think it's more, isn't it? More that you know, over time, he's just forgetting his training. So you know, it takes a lot of concentration and training mm. to you know be at one, be in tune with the Force, and and so I think it, it, they get the powers from the Force. But I think it, so. It's not like something that just dissipates over time. I, I think it is to do with the training. More about, more about the ability to use it than than your. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It, it just it sort of felt like this has got to lead to an end point, and I think the end point is either going to be that they do turn their back on the Jedi way, and it's just him and the kid, you know, wandering from mission to mission, and they change the mission, say for season five or something. Um, or like you sort of suggested, this comes to some sort of tragic end, and, and yeah, one, I think... one of them has to to uh, one of them has to go. Well, I think if you think this is in between, so film wise, this is in between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. So you know you've got the Empire decimated, trying to put itself back together, but you're going to have the New Order springing up pretty soon. You would have thought from pieces of the old Empire. So you know there's no there's no Mandalorian or Grogu in in Force Awakens. So you're thinking again, or, or even any of the uh, trilogy of, of sequels. So I, I just think surely it's got to end tragically, even though I don't want to. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's like watching Titanic. You you can invest in the love story all you want, but you know the ship's going down at the end. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's a 30-year gap between um, Return of the Jedi and, and Force Awakens. But you're already, like you say, you're five years into this now, so that gives you 25 years. I'm not suggesting that they're going to do 25 seasons. Um, but yeah, you, you know, the Empire's sort of still about. You still got, you know, um, was it Moff, Moff Gideon? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Up to whatever he's up to. So, you know, it's almost like, well, that's going to be the mission probably for the first four seasons, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to become part of it. But, 
it's what do you do beyond that? It's you know I'm loving everything that this show is doing. Like that it's an ongoing but episodic story. Um, yeah, it's. I, I wonder, do they have a definitive ending? You know, between Favreau and and Filoni, like, do they have a definitive ending for what this story is? You know what? These guys have won my faith, my mm. trust, and, and I just think I, I'm not worried about it. I, I know yeah. whatever they do will be great because you know what? Just just with that little tie back to the prequels. Mm. has made me think a little bit more fondly of the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I right. never thought that had happened, Scott. Never. No, no, I agree. <laughs> this, this, the quality of this is elevating everything else around it, I think. And yeah. you, do, you do go back and go, oh, okay, this is actually really cool. Um, but, yeah, okay. No, you're right. You are right. Have faith. I'm just curious. Sometimes it's one of those things where I'm like, I wonder if they're a target, you know, they're aiming at something, if there's a destination. Um, but... Yeah, I, I mean, I've got to think they've got some vague idea. They won't have everything fleshed out. But, um, again, some of the tiebacks. I, I think the fact that Filoni and Favreau, like you said at the top of the show, they're just such massive fans, aren't they? Mm. And let's face it, Abrams wasn't really a massive fan and, and, you know, into all the extended universe stuff. And I think that's what gives me a, a bit more of a warm, fuzzy feeling that uh, – yeah, you know they're going to be pulling on characters that you know we thought might never show up on the screen, and uh, you know I, I just think it's going to be great. And I, I, what I think this, what I hope, if I do have a fear, is that outside the control of the writers writing the stories that they want to write, is if you get studio execs sort of saying, "Well, wow, you know what, we're going to spin off a of Boba Fett." Series, we'll kind of test him out in The Mandalorian. Uh, Tano will have a spin off series for her. So, mm. so this becomes more of a testing ground for all these cool characters because I've, I've seen it on various kind of Mandalorian mm. Facebook groups and everything. Everyone's like, oh, let's spin this person off, let's spin that person off. And um, as you mentioned about Mace Windu or Samuel L. Jackson. I saw that as a theory, <laughs> you know, maybe he's he's the one to come back. And the fact that he, you know, he lost his hand and then fell out the window, well, Darth Maul got cut in half yeah, and shut down the shaft and he came back, yeah. you know, the Emperor came back, you know, so so the, there would always be ways to bring these people back. And, uh, I think, yeah, so hopefully it doesn't just become a testing. I don't think for, it will. I honestly don't think it will. I think, as I've said before, the fact that like so much information has been protected and they've kept their secrets and all sort of thing, and it's being run by like John Favreau, and I think he sort of seems to be egging his way slowly towards becoming the sort of the Kevin Feige of... of um, the Star Wars universe. Well, I and, think Kevin Feige is the Kevin Feige of the Star Wars universe now, isn't he? Yeah, Kevin Feige, Kevin Feige is Kevin Feige of the universe, basically. Yeah. If, you know, if you believe in, if you're a religious person, there's God, and then God reports into Kevin Feige. That's how it works nowadays. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. Uh, but I think that they, they, they have a writers group that covers. Uh, and I think you know Mike touched on this. They have a writers group that touches on uh, the comics, the TV shows, the lot. Um, and I, and I do think there's a, there's an appetite for it, but also an element of control where mm-hmm. we can't just keep banging things out. Because the other thing as well is just, we'll get back onto the thing of the show in a second. But from a from a <laughs> Disney Plus point of view, from that from a Disney production point of view, 
it's almost like they, you know, they've. I think they've been down that route of um, too much of a good thing. They've sort of seen it happen with Star Wars. They ran too fast, and so the fact that like you know, you're not going to see any of these characters on the big screen. I tell you now, um, it's all going to be you know, Disney Plus is where they're putting their their money at the moment for mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. They're looking ahead and going right. We've got the Mandalorian. We've got One Division. Then we're gonna have to. Then we're probably gonna release uh, Black Widow. Then we've got uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Then we've got this. And they're looking down the line again. What else have we got? We've got, you know, what is it? That they have got the Boba Fett mini series. Whatever they're going to do, limited series. Yeah, I think they're going to. Yeah, I think they've probably got the next five years already planned out, and they know exactly what's coming, and you know when it when it's going to fit in and stuff because they'll be making financial predictions and financial forecasts going like right covid screwed everything else how do we make money off this and that i think that's the way they're going to do it um well also i guess the i i think i don't know but i think they'd make more money if they released big screen stuff don't they mm. but then it also carries a lot more risk you know what would it what rise of skywalker cost like 400 million or something daft Mm. not quite that much but you know it would have been pushing that they'll make a lot less but they are trying to grow their platform yeah so actually it might just suit them right now to release these things that are exclusive to disney plus get people clambering you know word of mouth i'm sure you know everyone is talking about this i i think this I, I've not been into a weekly series like this since since like Game of Thrones was at mm-hmm. its peak, and you know it gets everyone talking, it gets that conversation going. So I I think they might go back to the big screen later, but I think you're right. I think probably for the next five years they'll be focusing on these on these series. And I do have to just say quickly, does this not remind you of a video game though? I, I'm loving this series. Well, it's kind of like a video game. Every every episode is a level. It is. It, it's it's um, it's almost we've said like you know what the influences are on this. It's a saga, isn't it? This is a uh, a quest film. You know, mm-hmm. this is Lord of the Rings or whatever. Like this is a quest film of like go to this person to collect this information, go to that person to collect the mythical sword, and then you go off and off and off, and it's sort of like you collect the bits until you reach the end. Um. But th- this ser- series, more so than the last series, has definitely felt a little bit like, um, like you know, Mand- the Mandalorian's version of travel, travel man. Like he goes somewhere and has, <laughs> has an adventure, and then goes off to the next place. Um, but that also fits into that idea of sort of like the wandering Ronin. You know, he just sort of. Tra- mm. If you have seen the films like Ro- um, Yo Jimbo and, and even like the, you know, um, Fistful of Dollars and all that kind of stuff, like. That's what it is. It's just that Western lone hero wanders into town and inserts themselves into somebody else's story. Like the the overreaching story, the the thing that's driving the whole arc is the Mandalorian story. But each episode is somebody else's story. Like he just keeps inserting yeah. himself into each of these stories, which I kind of find cool. Actually, I think I kind of I'm not really a gamer, so you know well, it's been a few years. So I, I, yeah, I'm quite enjoying that that structure to be honest. Yeah, it's kind of like. Kane from Kung Fu. He's David Carradine, basically, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly what it is. But, um, I, I mean, we do get the showdown uh, with Ahsoka and the, and the Magistrate, but I don't know if 
I, I was looking forward to this showdown between the, the Mandalorian and um, Michael Bean. So I don't know if I'm disappointed by that because it was this. I mean, there was nothing more Western than that standoff, mm. was there? <laughs> you know, like, I've got no quarrel with you, Mandalorian. <laughs> and, um, you know, we end up, he's, he's a faster drawer, isn't he? After the old uh, fake out, you know, mm. you knew it was coming where he was going to try and shoot him. But again, it all happened pretty quickly after all of that tense buildups. I think I might be a little bit disappointed that old Michael Beam went out quite so easy. Yeah, it felt a bit like a Sean Bean cameo, didn't it, really? <laughs> I mean, I mean you see, the thing is, if it was Sean Bean, I'd be like, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they, maybe that's why they chose a different Bean. Maybe it was supposed to be Sean Bean at one point. And they were like, they're going to get this. They'll all, they'll all guess it. I'll bring in the other Bean. Well, uh, they, they might think he's going to stick around for a bit. Sort of turns up, and on the first day, it's like, Oh, for fuck's sake, so it's the wrong one. <laughs> you know, John, you know this guy's an arsehole. Why do you hire him? <laughs> <coughs> yeah. But, I mean, near the end, um, we obviously get the name drop, don't we? So mm. Ahsoka, you know, wins out of that battle. I, I did like that choreography as well. Did yeah, it's really awesome. She's obviously been, uh, been in training for a while there. Mm. But uh, we get to find out that the master... Uh, the magistrate is actually Grand Admiral Thorne. Mm. Uh, so, Thorne, I missed out the R there. Now, we were watching it pretty much, almost second for yeah. second, weren't we? You text me first. Now, I'd watched the end of Rebels, so Thrawn appears, uh, I can't remember where he first appeared in, in Rebels, but definitely he's quite prevalent in the last series, so season uh, four. Mm. And he was pretty huge in that. But, he was obviously there in the expanded universe, wasn't yeah. he? So, I mean, had had you been aware of this character? Yeah, it's one I've read the Throne years ago. I read the sort of the right, Throne right. trilogy, you know, sort of. Um, I've read, I can't remember many of them, but I've read quite a few of the expanded universe books back in the day, um, and I knew he'd returned um, for Rebels. Like I'd, see, you know, I'd seen mm-hmm. the, the cartoon, the, the animated version, which I thought was really cool, and. Um, so I, I I knew he'd returned to become part of canon, and I was like, oh cool, because I haven't I haven't seen Rebels yet. I have to admit, I, I, it's one thing I do intend to watch. But um, I knew he'd returned to canon, and I was like, oh that's great, because he's actually a really interesting character. Um, but then for them to mention him at the end of this, I was just like, bloody hell, they're going all out on this one. I, they're not messing around at all. Yeah. I, I mean, basically, at the end of Rebels, you, you're not too sure. It's a little bit ambiguous what's happened to him. Mm. Rebels is, uh, I think, the last season is just before A New Hope. So, you know, that's where that's set. Mm. And this is obviously after Return of the Jedi. So, you know, he's obviously survived, or we think he survived, in some kind of capacity. So, uh, so yeah, it looks like he's going to appear. But do you reckon it'll be in The Mandalorian? Or do you reckon it'll be in some kind of other series. I don't know, because the Mandalorian is becoming a little bit like the jewel in their crown a little bit at the moment. Um, it might be something similar, you know. I mean, I'll tell you what would be interesting. If you really wanted to do it as a big send-off, is you find out that um, Moff, was it, Grand Moff Gideon? Moff Gideon, yeah. Is, is, uh, isn't working alone. 
and that you know he's actually working alongside Thrawn, and Thrawn's building stuff in the background somewhere, and he's more of the front man sort of thing. I don't know. Uh, but, maybe he's like the Ronin, and then uh, uh, Grand Mo- uh, sorry, Grand Admiral Thrawn is like Thanos. Yeah, or I was thinking the other way around. I was, thinking, I was the one I was thinking is that Thrawn is like the Emperor, and uh, got Mo- Moff Gideon is actually like the Darth Vader. You know, the, the, uh, yeah, you, yeah. you guys sort of mentioned it that that you know obviously what uh, Gideon is wearing. That you know, I don't know. Maybe it's a nod, but like if you had Thrawn's working in the background at the first attempt at the first order kind of thing, like he's building a mm-hmm. he's building a fleet somewhere of star destroyers. Um, and then you've got Gideon's going, well, you get the ships, I'll get you the troops, and I'll get you some Force-sensitive troops. Together we can restart the Empire. Oh, no. Again, for me, that would make the sequels better. So so Thrawn is, is right there at the centre, you know, creating that new order. Mm. It just gets better for me. <laughs> well, this is it. Like, you could connect it. I mean, I don't want to see a young, young, you know, uh, a de-aged Mark Hamill. I, you know, I, I just don't. You know, or anything like that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see, uh, you know, any of that stuff. Keep them out of this. But if you were to, and I, don't, I don't even want to see the origin story. I don't want to see a Rogue One for the start of the, the the First Order. You know, I don't need to see that. But if you can give me hints at it. You know, for something like Thrawn is defeated at the end of the Mandalorian and, and something. However, you see somebody escape, and that leaves a hint that will happily take you into the birth of the First Order. Um, that will obviously then goes into the kickoff of Force Awakens or something twenty five years down the line, or like you know they they limp off into space to re, re, regroup. Mm. Um, something like I think that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're saying it won't be Mark Hamill. I don't know, you know. As soon as it happened, I think purely because um, Thrawn had been mentioned and then Ahsoka's talking about, you know, go to go to this place and then a Jedi will, will sense him and, and come for him. At the end of Rebels, you, again, you're not sure what happens to Thrawn and there's also a Force-sensitive kid who is with him as well. So you're not sure what happens to him. Mm. Yeah, again, he's right there from the first episode of Rebels. So, you know, it, it doesn't feel like I'm spoiling that, but, no, but essentially Ezra Bridger. Ezra. Yeah. So he's not appeared in live action before. He's pretty much the, I mean, there's a team of characters in, in Rebels, but he's pretty much the, the point of view character. Mm. And so, you know, immediately I was thinking to him, but then I was thinking, well, again, you know, with Force Awakens, you've got to think, well, something's got to happen to him. Yeah. We know. Does it? Because the thing is, we're thinking that that this is over a decade. This is still 30 years. You've still got 25 years to go. And if if this is, if you've had, I don't know, how many years is it since the start of The New Hope? Is it? Five years since Jedi. And come on, this is nine Let's years start. since the Battle of Yavin. There you go. I know that much. Yeah. Um, this is nine years since the Battle of Yavin. So say it's ten years since um, Ezra disappeared. So he's a, he's a decade older, and he's been off about you know maybe he's been training with Luke for a few years or something else or whatever. 
But if you're bringing, bringing back, from a story point of view, if you're going to bring back Th- uh, Thrawn, then you have to bring back uh, like a nemesis version. Not for mm. account of, it's got to be Ezra. Like From a story point of view, yeah. it's the only one that makes sense because you've got to sort of complete that story arc. If you brought Thrawn back and then sort of inserted Luke Skywalker, I'd be really pissed off as a fan. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking how does it connect? So how do these, you know, we know Luke is there. It doesn't you know, have to be there. It doesn't have to. No, no, no. I, I, don't, right. I wouldn't want it to. Like, keep, Luke is off trying to build the New Republic and have it getting stroppy and, you know, um, Leia and Hannah busy making kids. So fine. Um, like, let that happen elsewhere and let this just continue. This be a story that just happens out in the universe. And... I guess uh, I guess thirty years is a long time. Um, you know, it's enough time to classify a religion as being ancient. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's it. So, so yeah, that, that's a fair point. But I just think you know, a possible theory, and this is wild speculation, by the way. So I've got no idea. But you know, if he ended up, if you ended up with Grogu going back and trying to be trained by Luke. That could put him, you know, at, at the same place where um, you go, oh, what's his name? The, the bad guy in there. Redeemable bad guy, oh, Ben uh, Solo. Ben, ben yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when he's trying to get trained by Luke and then basically, you know, turns to the dark side at that time. So you could if you wanted to. But I think this is doing such a good job of yeah. tying in, you know, building out this expanded universe but then the nods to you know things that we know about the original movies as well. So I, I think I think you're right. So I think it probably won't be Luke. So I, yeah, I think my money's going to be on Ezra. Yeah. If you're really wanting to, you've said about you know Grogu goes off to train with Luke at the temple, and, and whilst Ben Solo is there, and then he turns and stuff, and he you know he returns to kill them all. Have have a flashback of Ben so of, of well, he would be Kylo Ren then, but. Have a flashback of Kylo Ren killing Grogu, or even better, make it so you've not seen even better. Yeah, even have... better than slaughtering Baby Yoda. Yeah, that's, have... that's not better. That's not on the better scale. No, no. <laughs> right. it, well, this is thirty years later. He's a little older. Have him join the the Knights of Ren. There you go. Grogu was one of the Knights of Ren. <laughs> Nice, kicking ass, taking names as this little three foot that's it. Uh, ninja. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all connected, Dave. It's all connected. It is all connected. Now, before we head over to Mike to give us his little nuggets of information about what's mm. going on here, have you got any other kind of any other things that you noticed from the episode? No, not really. Like you say, I'm just I'm just loving it. Uh, week to week, I'm it's, you know I've been binging things. I usually sort of wait for them to finish and then go through, but I'm loving going this week to week. It's it's really good fun, uh, and doing this show has been a blast and all. Yeah, absolutely has. And I've got a kind of love-hate relationship with it. If it was all available now, I'd have watched it. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to stop myself. No self-control. I would just binge the crap out of it yeah. because it's brilliant. But it does create that anticipation, and I like the conversation and speculation around it as well. That mm. you get kind of, I, I know some of the things are a little bit tiresome. I, I've actually seen a little bit of criticism from this episode. And that, yeah. like, yeah, like Dave Filoni, oh, he's more of an animated director, so he doesn't get live action. I'm like, 
looked pretty fucking good to me. Yeah, to be saying, yeah, I think it looked pretty good. Pretty darn yeah. good in my book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it doesn't matter these days, does it? Someone's always going to have a bit of a moan at something. But uh, mm. no, I... I'll begrudgingly say that I do like the weekly format, even though, you know, I wouldn't have been able to stop myself if it was available. So it it is, it's just brilliant. And you know what? Just the whole series has just reignited my love of this, this franchise. And, you know, the fact is I I binged all the rebels in about two weeks. (laughs) It it just, just because I knew something was coming. And Mm. like I say, I watched, last episode on Thursday night before this came out on Friday and and so when the name dropped uh, Admiral Thrawn there I was like it was worth it (laughs) running around the living room like it was so worth it yeah didn't sleep for four days (laughs) but now I'm sort of thinking I can't help it I'm thinking about all the other characters that could possibly show up Um, you know some of the droids in there are absolute gold and so but anyway Scott I think we should go and have a listen to what Mike's got to say yes Hey guys, it is Mike here once again with more nuggets of information just to give the wider Star Wars universe seem a little bit smaller just so you can kind of get to grips with a few things here and there. And I'm specifically talking about Mandalorian Chapter 13, which is the fifth episode in the second season. And there's quite a few things to talk about in many ways. So let's get to it. So some of the smaller things first, uh, the planet itself that they go to isn't elsewhere in canon. It's only been mentioned in Mandalorian, but it is called Corvus and the city itself is called Caladan. The main antagonists in this, Morgan, Elsbeth and Lang, they're not elsewhere in the canon either. And they seemingly both come to their untimely ends in this episode. But obviously we don't actually see the death of Morgan and Elsbeth, so who knows in that regard. Right at the end of the episode, they speak about going to the planet Tython. Now, I had to look this up because I wasn't really aware much of planet Tython, but essentially, planet Tython, Jeddah, Coruscant, and Ossus are the four main planets that people believe that the Jedi Order may have started on. They're essentially really, really old temples there, and also Arcto. Arcto is the place that Luke's hiding in Last Jedi. Jeddah is in the Rogue One films. That's where they find Saul Gerrera, and that's where the city gets bombed. Coruscant, it's a main place in the prequel trilogy that's where the Jedi Temple is and also the Republican Senate is. Tython is only shown up in Dr. Aphra 40, which I'll be tackling at some point on the show, uh, and it was like it's going to be in the High Republic a little bit, but aside from that, it's not in the canon. In Legends, it's quite active, and it was basically the homeworld of the Jedi, who are the precursors to the Jedi Order, so it's all got a lot of connections, Tython, to old stuff, essentially. And for clarity as well, Ossus, which I mentioned as well, is one of the older planets. That has only really been mentioned in Dooku, Jedi Lost, in like a flashback. And then that's really it. It's not, it doesn't really show up in the canon elsewhere. So a lot of these sort of really old planets are either in a couple of the films or they're in Legends quite a lot. And Tython is one of them. So then the last... Well, there's three now main parts to discuss. One of them is the child's name, which is Grogu, G-R-O-G-U. He is the third of the species in the canon that we know of. We've got Grogu, we've got Yoda, and we've got Yaddle. Uh, Yaddle appears in episode one, I think, on the Jedi Council, and then doesn't appear again. 
she appears in the comics a little bit, but generally what is considered due to there's a flashback that a character has in one of the comics that shows Yaddle to have died. So it seemingly is that obviously Yoda died in episode six when Luke was there. Grogu is obviously still going. And then Yaddle seemingly died in the Clone Wars or potentially in Order 66. I think they took a step back from the Jedi Order between episode one and two, because obviously that's quite a big gap. It's 10 years, but we don't know much about Yaddle at all. And we don't really know that much about Yoda either. So that's sort of those three species, really. If you want a little bit more information on Yoda, you can listen to one of the episodes, one of the standard episodic uh, numbers of Star Wars comics in canon. As in episode 33, I specifically tackle Yoda's Secret War, which is a storyline about Yoda set before The Phantom Menace, and within that I give other bits of information about Yoda that we have. But in the canon, we don't have that much, and to my knowledge, in Legends, we didn't really have that much either. And in, to my knowledge as well, in neither canon or Legends has Yoda's species ever been given a specific name, so we'll see if that happens in The Mandalorian. Okay, two more things. So, one of them is why at the end, uh, Ahsoka, obviously Ahsoka's going to be one of the big ones, but I'm saving that to the last thing I speak about. Uh, Ahsoka, when she's fighting Morgan Elsbeth, she asks about Thrawn. Now, anyone who's really into Legends will know who Thrawn is, and anyone who's seen Star Wars Rebels will know who Thrawn is. If you haven't, and you haven't specifically picked up the books with Thrawn's name on it, you won't really have an idea who Thrawn is. So, very, very in brief, he is a Chiss, the Chiss species. They are humanoid, basically look like humans with blue skin and red eyes. There are other species called Pantorans, who are species who are also blue, but do not have red eyes. The Chiss generally live in the unknown regions, so it's even beyond the outer rim, so they don't seem to interact with the, the rest of the universe that much. Uh, there aren't ones who are already attuned with the unknown regions. And for clarity, Thrawn is the main antagonist in Star Wars Rebels, I believe in seasons 3 and 4. Um, I'm not going to say exactly what happens to them, or to the associations with them but the main crew of star wars rebels they or the main crew of rebels phoenix squad they essentially do interact with ahsoka a fair amount in rebels and so that's how they kind of know them and then towards the end of rebels there's a character and thrawn and something happens to them and no one knows what's happened to them since now rebels is set around that last episode of rebels is set around 10 years before the mandalorian so rebels season four finishes within a year or so i believe of rogue one and a new hope and then from a new hope to empire strikes back it is three years from empire strikes back to return of the jedi it is one year and then from return of the jedi to the mandalorian it is five years so mandalorian is set nine years after the battle of yavin and the end of rebels is about a year or so before the battle of yavin so you know it's about 10 years time so we haven't seen ahsoka in 10 years we haven't heard from thrawn in 10 years we and there's certain other characters as well that we don't know what's happened to them either there are some characters in rebels that we know what happened to them in a bit more detail but from episode six we don't know very much at all and just for clarity about Thrawn, if you want to find out more information about him and you don't want to go to Legends, because Legends, he was in the Heir to the Empire trilogy, which is Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and Last Command. They're basically the book versions of the sequel trilogy, because essentially when Legends happened, uh, Timothy Zahn made three books, Heir to the Empire, and it kind of was considered to be the, the almost 
sequel trilogy in a sense before the films actually got made uh and that's why a lot of people are upset about the current sequel trilogy and things but timothy zahn the same guy who uh, wrote that trilogy back in legends days has been writing a lot more um he wrote there's the first thrawn trilogy which is thrawn thrawn alliances and thrawn treason uh which is set in his days of the empire and whatnot and thrawn the first book thrawn that is actually made into a comic as well which i will be tackling on this show at some point in the future um it may be sooner than i think if thrawn pops up and things um but that gives a little bit of information and backstory to thrawn how he basically was involved in the empire and the other two books in the thrawn trilogy are more about thrawn's time in the empire alliances is about how he interacted with anakin skywalker and with darth vader and things so yeah and then the second thrawn trilogy that's canon is the ascendancy trilogy now only one of these books is out and that's thrawn ascendancy chaos rising i believe that only came out like this year then there's thrawn chaos rising the greater good which is coming out i believe in 2021 or 2022 and then the third and final book of that will be out at some point later but that has not yet been named and the ascendancy trilogy is more about thrawn and the chiss before he kind of got involved with the empire and the original thrawn trilogy is him from being involved with the empire so that's information about thrawn without even really saying much about him just if you want to find out more about him that's where you go i'd say watch star wars rebels first because rebels is cracking four seasons very consistent and it's, it's really really good so the last character I need to tackle here is Ahsoka Tano. Now, if anyone has watched Clone Wars the movie, which I don't highly recommend, the Clone Wars series, which I hugely recommend, bar season one, this isn't very good. Season two and onwards is great. Season four and onwards is absolutely incredible. And also Star Wars Rebels. So she appears in Clone Wars and then she appears again in Rebels in a few episodes and then she didn't appear again. And now here she is in Mandalorian. So I'm not going to just give her entire life story because that'll be here forever. But essentially, she was born 36 years before the Battle of Yavin, which means in Clone Wars at the start, she's about 14 years old. And by the end of Clone Wars slash Revenge of the Sith, she is 17 years old. In Star Wars Rebels, she is between 31 and 35 years old, depending kind of on where you are in the seasons. And then in Mandalorian, she is about 45 years old. And for clarity, she was born about four years before The Phantom Menace. That's generally how you can kind of gauge how old she is and whatnot. She was born on Shili, which is the standard planet for the Togruta, which is what species she is. Uh, another famous Togruta would be Shark T. She's in the prequel trilogies as well, and she features quite a lot in Legends too. But yeah, they've got the the Montrals, which are those sort of tentacly things that come down from the top of their head down their side. They're striped white and blue. And yeah, the species is Togruta. So yes, Ahsoka is basically the main character in the Clone Wars series. She's really, really good in it. And she's a really interesting character. She starts off a little bit annoying, but as it progresses, she becomes easily one of the best characters in all of Star Wars. And she is Anakin Skywalker's apprentice, um, which shows she's incredibly talented when it comes to lightsaber battles and fighting and things she's got very good form obviously anakin was known as one of the greatest lightsaber duelists there were and obviously vader's near enough unbeatable in a lot of ways so she was trained by him and then certain things happen which i won't spoil but if you watch the clone wars it's an incredible arc where she starts to have doubts about the jedi order and then by the time of the end of it she has some problems with the Jedi Order. I won't specifically say what happens, and then she doesn't fully consider herself to be a Jedi. She then is in Star Wars Rebels. She does, once again, doesn't consider herself to be a Jedi at that point. She has some very, very interesting interactions with certain characters, which I won't spoil. And then, yeah, she's now in The Mandalorian. So, 
Last couple of things, because as I said, I don't want to just give you all the information about how conceivable. She obviously has two white lightsabers in this. Now, in Clone Wars, she had green ones, and then Anakin changed them to blue right at the end. And then she gets rid of them at the end of Clone Wars, doesn't have them. And then there's a book by E.K. Johnston, which I've read and it's brilliant. It is just called Ahsoka, and it explains what happens to her after Clone Wars, and then gives a little bit of a prequel into her involvement in Rebels. And it also tells you how she got her white lightsabers. Now, her white lightsabers are due to Essentially, in canon, to get a red lightsaber, you need to bleed a normal lightsaber crystal. So, for example, in the Darth Vader comics and in the Kylo Ren comics, this is both shown, which are both written by Charles Saul and they're both excellent. So the Darth Vader comics, the second run, which I have not yet tackled on Styles Comics and Canon, and the Rise of Kylo Ren comics, which I think was the first episode of Styles Comics and Canon, I explain essentially... When you're a, a dark side user, and let's say Sith for ease, and you want to have a lightsaber, instead of finding your own crystal and da-da-da, you generally take a crystal from someone else, normally a Jedi or someone that you've killed, you then have to bleed their crystal. So you hold it, you think really horrible, nasty, bad things, you try and imbue it with the dark side of the Force, pour all your hatred and anger and whatnot into it, it corrupts the crystal, turning it red. When Kylo Ren did it, he was very unbalanced when he did it, and that's why his is like a cracked crystal, and why his lightsaber is so uh, unstable and things, which is another reason why he uses the cross guards which have that extra bit of energy coming out because it's so unstable it needs the additional things there's a lot of convoluted other information you can know about this but i'm trying to kind of skim over the surface and whatnot so what ahsoka did, does at one point is she fights an inquisitor which is a dark side user it, basically mainly in rebels you see them so a dark side user who's kind of trained by palpatine and darth vader to kind of do their dirty work she fights one of them she fights the sixth brother and when she does so she beats him this is in the book ahsoka takes his lightsaber crystals and purifies them. Now, to my knowledge, this is the first time in canon we've seen anything about purification, but essentially she gets the red lightsaber crystals and then she purifies them to, so they're not red anymore, essentially. And she's had the white crystals ever since. So it's kind of like... You have a normal crystal, you can vaguely choose what colour it is to some degree. It's not exactly clear how they choose the colours of their own crystal when it's like blue, purple, or green, or yellow, or whatever. But generally Jedi have the normal colours, Sith or baddies have red colours, and then Ahsoka doesn't really align herself with either, but she is still very much a good person, and an air quotes good guy, so therefore she purified it somehow, and it became white. I think she purifies it basically by doing the opposite of what bleeding is, so she just fills it with positive, good thoughts in some ways, and that is kind of what happens to it, and that's what makes it white. And last little bit, she has two lightsabers. One is a standard lightsaber, and one is a Shoto saber. A Shoto saber, or Shoto lightsaber, is basically just a smaller lightsaber. Uh, Yoda has a Shoto saber, even PL has one. Even PL, you can see him in Phantom Menace, and he's also in the Clone Wars. He is a very small Jedi. He's only like one or two feet tall. Very similar to Yoda's stature. He has a scar across his eye and quite big ears, but he's quite cool. Um, he has a Shoto Saber. Yoda has a Shoto Saber, and just basically really small Jedi have them. And Ahsoka did originally have one, um, because she fights with two lightsabers, so she has different fighting styles. So having one slightly shorter than the other in some manners is better for her fighting style, essentially. So, yeah, that is my exposition dump of things I know about Ahsoka Tano that are in somewhat degree relevant to this without spoiling Clone Wars or Rebels. Uh, so that should give you some information on Ahsoka. And outside of characters within the movies, I would argue that Ahsoka Tano is one of the most important characters in Star Wars, not just necessarily thematically in what she does in Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, and obviously Mandalorian as well, but also 
her arc, her intrigue, and who she is as a person, how she's portrayed and things is just excellent. She She's such a balanced character, and she is one of the fans' number one favorite characters, especially that aren't in the films. So I do recommend people check out The Clone Wars. I do recommend people check out Rebels. Um, I believe of the two hosts today that are speaking, uh, Dave has seen all of Rebels now, so I'm sure he'll be talking about Ahsoka a lot in, in that regard. Um, but I would say to people, if they want some advice, if you tried Clone Wars and you couldn't get into it, give Rebels a go because you don't need to watch Clone Wars to make sense of Rebels. There are two characters in Clone Wars that appear in Rebels. One of them is Ahsoka. And if you watch Clone Wars, you know who probably the other character is. But essentially, it's really cool. Uh, Rebels is an absolutely brilliant show. It's very consistent. Only four seasons. It's all on Disney+, and it's set before the original trilogy. The cast in it are amazing. The characters are brilliant, and it has some incredible storylines with lots of familiar faces that pop up in it, while it's strong enough to be by itself. And it is seemingly becoming almost a degree of a precursor to Mandalorian, so that should be a reason to check it out. If you're going to check out The Clone Wars, don't watch The Clone Wars movie. It's not great, in all honesty. You can watch part of Season 1 of Clone Wars. I would not recommend watching much of Season 1 of Clone Wars, because it is generally quite bad but i'd say watch the episode rookies watch the episode layer of grievous and then you can watch the final episode and if you're in the mood for it the last four episodes i think are the uh, ryloth arcs i think they all have the name ryloth in the episode title so you can check those they're the only ones in my opinion really worth checking out most of season two is good it's got a couple of weaker episodes that you could probably skip um, but generally speaking season two is all right pretty good and then season three onwards is really good season four onwards is genuinely excellent i wouldn't say to skip any episodes in season three or four unless jar jar appears because he's quite annoying <laughs> and he does appear in a few uh, i would also say that season six of clone wars the last four episodes is an arc all about yoda um, which is really interesting actually and it doesn't really have anyone else in it apart from r2 and it explains about force ghosts and how yoda found Dagobah and his interaction with Qui-Gon blah 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 so end of season 6 is a good measure for that too but yeah that's enough from me guys this was probably the longest nuggets of info I've ever given sorry about that I'm going to try and keep them a little bit shorter going forward but obviously as you can tell there's a lot of information to say so I really hope you guys enjoyed this part and I'm passing it back over to the host thanks again now Scott Mike's gone and done it again just when I think I, I know quite a lot about Star Wars. Mike comes in and just blows it out of the water. <laughs> As always, the, the man is like a fount of knowledge. Like just yeah, you man knows his stuff. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's those little things that sort of um, even like say the fact that he went off to find out more about the planet that Ahsoka recommends they go to. Um, <laughs> he's, de- he's dedicated to his art. I can't fault him. Yeah, no, it's absolutely brilliant. I, I can listen to him all day about all these different aliens. I think the problem for me, I, I don't really retain, you know, if, if mm. such and such a person is this species, you know, it, it's in one ear out of the other. I, I listen to it for that moment. If it's an old Wookiee or an Ewok, I, I've forgotten it already probably. But, um, <laughs> but Scott, it's been brilliant tonight. Love indulging in this, like you say, week to week. Where can everyone get you? Uh, usual places if you want to come find me i'm on twitter uh come find me and at scott weatherly or in the podcast is at 20th century geek uh, and of course we're pod, uh, at pod time space for stories out of time and space happy to talk to anybody about star wars and any other sci-fi films awesome i have to say i was listening to the mars attacks episode mm. and uh yeah i just remember being a, a little bit disappointed because i because i I was working at Blockbusters at the time, and and they had that trailer on repeat for about three months, building up to it. So I, I could recite the whole trailer, 
And I, I just thought it looked absolutely brilliant. But then that, it fell a little bit flat. It, well, just below expectations. And the whole switcheroo where Tom Jones ends up being there. Uh, yeah, the it's, sort of it's, guy is just it's a, a bit it's strange. A, it is a bit strange. It's a, it's a little bit of a mess. And uh, I think Julian and I sort of, uh, we both, I think we both enjoyed it, but we definitely have some criticisms of it. Um, but it's one of the few films that, like you say, we've 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 trounced out like Russian films and French films and some of the you know some proper big blockbuster sci-fi. But that's the one that seems to have divided our audience quite a bit. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Some love it, some hate it. Yeah, it's got some different di- different different opinions. Yeah, just. I'm trying to think. I'd have to go back and watch it. I've not watched this since the 90s. And I've got this memory, but you know when it's so vague, you're not just sure if you if you just made it up in your mind. But mm. I've got this kind of latent kind of memory of Tom Jones being like, quick, there's Martians behind me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to have to go back and watch it and see if he actually did say that. But, guys, thanks for listening out there. If you want to get in touch with us, you can get us on Comics in Motion P on Twitter. Uh, you can get us on um, Comics in Motion Podcast at gmail.com if you want to email us in. I did put out a call for questions. Didn't get any questions back. I <laughs> just got a load of comments about how great the series was. But uh, drop us some questions and we'll tackle those in the next week. So I think it'll be yourself, Scott, and yep. Chris next week. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, Scott. All I'll say is, may the force be with you.